Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. Hello, uh, welcome guys to another episode of The Shapes of Stories with me, Lawrence Prestige. Um, yeah, thank you everyone that um, joined in the first episode uh, with Donald Sturrock. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, it's really nice to hear um, some of the positive feedback and um, nice things you had to say about it. But yeah, here we are, episode two. And um, I mean, I don't know how long my my podcast in life will be, but um, I imagine this will be the the most um, raw, the most emotional podcast episode that I ever record. So my guest in this episode is Lauren Lefebvre, who is the founder of the Breck Foundation. For those of you that know Lauren's story, may have seen it on the news, um, may have seen her um, talking about it very openly in different media outlets. Um, it was a very big news story a few years ago. Lauren's son, Breck, uh, was a 14-year-old boy. Very, very nice, happy, funny, clever young lad. Um, 14 years old, but loved gaming. And he, he'd met someone in the online gaming world with his friends. Sadly, um, this person who Breck thought was his friend ended up sexually abusing and murdering um, Breck. And... Uh, I mean, it's one of these things. It's so, so difficult to to talk about. And you know, with with Lauren, who we talked to about it, I can only admire her her bravery and her openness about such such a topic. Because, I mean, how do you? I, I have no words. Um, to be honest, it's it's such a a difficult story to talk about. Um, but Lauren does it beautifully well and is very passionate about wanting to get the message out out there and raise awareness um about Breck's story because Breck you know when you think of someone that's grooming someone online you think of a dirty old man that's trying to groom young children uh Breck's abuser was um only a few years older than Breck um Breck was about 14 and his abuser was around 18 years old and this person ended up like I said murdering Breck and had a history of abusing others as well, as Lauren points out in this episode. Um, I won't go too much into detail because um, Lauren will do that, and it's only right that we um, let her speak about such things, I feel. But what I will say, it was quite a high-profile case. I've decided, and this is my call, that the the person that committed the crime on Breck, um, their name won't be mentioned. Um, at all um and that's that's on me that's my call that's nothing to do with Lauren Lauren's not asked me to cut any names out or 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 anything or censor anything but um this story is about Breck and Lauren and the amazing work that Lauren does and um I don't want to I don't feel comfortable don't want to give someone like that the time of day and um, if you want to know this person's name, like I said, it's a high-profile case. 
you don't need to hear it on this podcast. This isn't about that person. This is about Lauren, the Breck Foundation, and the memory of Breck. And that's the way it should be. So yeah, this is the, mo- the most, uh, this is the very different to any of the episodes that we've recorded or, or have planned. Um, we probably never have, we'll, I don't know whether we'll have another episode like this again, but it's um, it's such an important story. And I'm aware a lot of my audience on social media are parents. And, um, and when I said to Lauren about coming on to do this podcast episode, which she was more than happy to, um, you know, we both agreed it was something that the parents need to hear, especially this year, especially when kids are, are on their online gaming so much now, especially during lockdown and things like this to keep them entertained. But um, hearing Lauren's story and looking up these warning signs about who your, who your children might be talking to online and um, and her experience, like I said, you need to hear this from Lauren, not myself. So without further ado, um, here's my chat with Lauren Lefebvre. It's great to have you on. Obviously, we've been trying to sort something out for over a year now. Like we've been sort of working together, so it's been great to, to finally get to have the chance yeah, to talk to you thank properly. You. Um, so, I, I guess tell us first about the Breck Foundation and the work that you do. Okay, so I set up Breck Foundation. Well, the idea of it about six years ago with a group of volunteers, mostly moms from the neighborhood, because what happened was is my son Breck was groomed online by friends that he gamed with at school and a predator was running the gaming group but no one considered him to be a predator because he was only a teenager like them he was only 17 years old at the time and over the course of a year when Breck was groomed manipulated uh, controlled isolated from friends and family just really brainwashed he then believed what the groomer was saying and the groomer was catfishing promising the world teaching the boys to code and encrypt, having a fun time gaming, enjoying the gaming and working together as a team and eventually turned him against me. And Breck was then lured to the Predator's flat where sadly he was um, sadistically and sexually murdered. And really as a parent, the hardest thing in, in your entire life is to lose a child. It, I mean, any parent, you know, that's just the wrong order of things to happen and then to happen in such sort of a, a violent and horrific way. So as I sort of learned more about what had happened in the background um, of what the predator was saying to Breck and how that all played out, I realized that I needed to share that learning and awareness. And that's when I came up with the idea of the charity because I wanted something good to come out of it. I was aware that Breck was being groomed. I talked to Breck himself, but he couldn't see it. He was enjoying the fun he was having within the gaming group. Um, I talked to teachers and support staff, other parents, school vicars, school nurse. um, But people, school librarian, people didn't think that Breck was the type of boy that would be groomed. He was a 14-year-old, everyday school boy who had friends, who did well in school. He got on with it. He wasn't a problem child. He was just, you know, a kid. And so nobody thought that he would be able to be groomed. And even when I reported to the police, they didn't believe me. So sadly, this predator had a record, uh, quite a long record of, of crimes committed and he was able to lure Brett. So 
Um, we started off with the charity talking about awareness, and then now we educate uh, children and parents and teachers and police and safeguarding leads, anyone who has anything to do with the child. And, um, you know, we, we now speak at conferences and, and schools, any training sessions, but really it's more now about empowering young people to make safer choices for themselves. Because, you know, no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, they do have to have independence at some point. They do need to be able to look after themselves. So we try to teach them to recognize the signs of grooming. And we try to talk to them about what a healthy relationship looks like versus, you know, what it might feel like to be befriended online through grooming. Yeah. And, and so sort of rewinding a little bit back to to Breck, um, what were the, the first sort of uh, warnings? Because obviously, you know, kids are, you know, really into their video games yeah. now more than ever, especially, you know, when we have lockdowns and things like that and playing, you know, cause it's, it's the way they're communicating with friends, you know, at the end of the day, especially, especially more so than ever now, whether it be on their um, computers or um, in social media or video games and things like that. What were the first warning signs for you when you, that you noticed something that was, when you noticed something wasn't right? Well, um, Breck was an avid gamer and he loved computing and science and technology. I mean, he was amazing at, you know, only 10 years old. He could do, you know, oodles more than I would ever dream of doing within technology. So that was, you know, what he wanted to study. He wanted to be a pilot. He wanted to work in technology. So when he spent time gaming, I could hear what was going on. The door was open. He'd have his headphones on sometimes, but other times he'd just be in his room and I could hear him laughing and joking. And one day I noticed that he was speaking to someone who sounded older. Well, this was one of the parts of the story that's kind of important. I assumed the stereotypical idea of a, a groomer or a predator was a creepy old guy, because often we see that on the news. So when my first instinct was that this was a creepy old guy, that sort of almost alienated Breck because he knew that the predator was only a teenager like him, albeit a few years older. But I was wrong about guessing he was older it was because he was controlling and manipulative I could hear him telling the boys what to do I could hear him being in charge I could hear him you know having all the control over the group I tried to get to know him he had actually a fake uh, avatar at first of uh, of a 14 year old boy and I found out later that that picture that he used was actually the 14 year old boy that he had sexually assaulted three years before so uh, he was pretending to be the boy that he assaulted, um, but he was easy to talk to, well-spoken. I, you know, the boys would be having a laugh. Funny things would pop up on the screen. You know, I was like, wow, you guys are quick. And I could understand why Breck wanted to spend time online within this group. It was fun, engaging, and, and I, could, I got it. But as time went on, I noticed changes in Breck's personality. He became sort of stroppier, which was difficult, as parents will know that teenagers do get stroppy. I bet you never did, mm-hmm. Lawrence. Did you ever get stroppy? No, I, I was always an angel. <laughs> I was always an angel. Yeah, so he just got you know, a little bit more rude, a little bit more edgy. And I thought, well, is this you know being an older teenager or is this something more sinister? But he started changing the way he thought as well. And with grooming, you know, the thought process, the predator was just changing his value system and and the way he thought on everything. So, you know, Breck all of a sudden was against a religion, you know, and I I get that now. But at the time we did go to church. And so the predator was pulling him away from from religion. He was pulling him away from education. Breck had always wanted to 
pursue technology and go to university or become a pilot. And all of a sudden the predator was saying, you don't need to go to school. I'll teach you everything you know, you need to know. I've got this, you know, lucrative contract uh, business in the U.S., in New York City. So he pretended to be this really wealthy businessman that he was going to help wreck with contacts and get him a, you know, a career. Um, so he was turning him against education. He was turning him against governments. Now, funnily enough, we're recording this the day we're waiting to hear election results in the U.S., <laughs> but he was turning Breck against both, you know, governments, U.K. and U.S., and just really kind of being, like, I don't know, anarchist. It just it just happened all so suddenly that Breck was just being turned against anything that was established. Even his air cadet group, which he had joined and enjoyed, the Predator made it seem like that was a waste of time and not worthwhile and he was pulling Breck away from all of his usual activities, isolating him from family and friends. And I saw these signs. I hadn't been taught about grooming, but I had heard about it. And at the time in the news, there were a lot of stories about the poor girls that were groomed in Rochdale and Rotherham and all those inquiries were happening. They had to do with, you know, gangs and drugs and sex and, you know, poor girls being given food and presents and and, you know, then turned into you know, complete being being exploited. So that's what people thought grooming was. And the thing is, is there's different versions of grooming. And Breck was being groomed, but people didn't believe it because he was a boy. Well, boys can be groomed too. I think it's about a third of grooming cases are actually boys. Um, and there are different reasons for grooming. And originally, I thought maybe the predator wanted to do something sexually with Breck. I didn't even know the real vocabulary, you know, sexual exploitation. And I thought maybe he wanted to exchange naked photos or live stream sex acts and police find children of primary school are performing sex acts in, in their rooms on live streams and different apps, not even knowing they're do, doing something wrong. You know, I thought maybe that's what he wanted or maybe to meet up for something sexual. That was my first, you know, sort of concern. And whilst I didn't care if Breck or any of his friends were gay, what I didn't want uh, was for someone to push their sexuality onto the boys before they were ready yeah, to decide for themselves. You know, that's our personal choice, what we do with our bodies. And I felt, well, and to back up, the picture that he showed initially of who he was, was a very sort of effeminate picture, which is absolutely fine, but I felt like he was trying to send a sign or a signal, hey guys, I'm gay, or you too? So whilst I didn't know about any of the boys' sexuality, because Breck was kind of too into gaming to be into girls or boys, he was just enjoying, you know, being a teenager. I didn't want that pushed onto them. As time went on, I thought he was radicalizing them. You know, and when you think about if Breck had been radicalized for terrorism, you know, more than just Breck would have been hurt. This could have been even a, you know, wider issue mm -hmm. because he was turning them against everything established and they um, played violent games. Even though Breck was never violent within himself, they were playing violent games, which I didn't love. Um, you know, there wasn't, I didn't allow swearing, but there was constant killing in these violent games. And I thought, well, maybe he's going to throw some weapons into their hands and say, guys, let's go do the real thing. Because this predator happened to be very black and white on his opinions. And, and you know, if you didn't believe what he thought, then your opinion was worthless. And he was against all sorts of, you know, different cultural things, religious things, governmental things. So I, when I called the police, I was convinced that they were being radicalized. And I said over and over again, I think they're being groomed for something to do with radicalization. Unfortunately, my police force at the time hadn't 
I believe hadn't properly trained their staff to recognize these signs of grooming and they didn't know what questions to ask. Um, three times I mentioned grooming and they said they would check the police records three times, but in the end they didn't check those records and if they had, they would have seen that he was known to police. So there's learning across the board from parents, you know, myself included, teachers. I went to Breck's teachers. Um, I said I was worried that I couldn't get him off the computer, that I, I was worried his schoolwork was going to um, drop, and I was worried about, you know, his online relationships. And they just, everybody brushed it off and said, oh, all kids are online too much, you know, and especially, as you mentioned, during the pandemic, we were all online more than usual because mm -hmm. we have to be. So I think, you know, it's a perfect storm for predators during this time when children are spending more time online because they will be lonely. They do want to be befriended. All of us want to have, you know, that interaction that makes us laugh or makes us feel good. And so, um, you know, teachers didn't take it as a problem because Breck wasn't acting up in school. He was still performing at school. But afterwards, they did say we noticed that he stopped raising his hand. He stopped talking in class. He stopped engaging with the subjects. That was a sign of grooming. But because he wasn't presented as a vulnerable child, they didn't pick up on it at the time. Uh, a lot of people just said, oh, my son games all the time. That's what they do. I just couldn't get anybody on side. Even the parents of the other gamers, they said, oh, the boys have been gaming with him for years. And I said, does that make it safe? And I said, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, I started talking about the stories. This guy's saying he you know, works in New York City and he's supposedly 18 years old now and he makes all this money. And what's his, you know, he's against, um, you know, all religions and different governments. And, you know, what, what, is, what does he want with our boys? You know, what? And the other parents weren't aware of this because Breck was really open with me. Uh, and as I said, I had met the predator in Breck's room you know, asking questions. He never seemed to be living in New York. He never seemed to be on U.S. time zone. And, uh, you know, I just I just instinctively as a parent, it just didn't feel right. You said that you, you sort of had this moment where you spoke to spoke to him online. Do you feel that there was a point where you were concerned enough and it wasn't getting through to, like, say, teachers, police and your um, Brex friends, parents that you thought, right, I have to take action now and try and um, put a wedge in between the predator and Breck a little bit? And did you feel there was perhaps at that point a bit where this predator was trying to cause conflict between you and Breck as well? Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like he was a danger. I definitely felt like he was pulling Breck away from me. I felt like I had tried everything. The thing is, is at that time, I didn't know about places like Internet Matters. They, they had just started, in fact, I think in 2014 when this happened. I didn't know about CEOP, uh, Child Exploitation and Online Protection Command, who have uh, links to police records and, and would have understood and recognized grooming. I tried to go through the contacts that I had at school and my local police. So for parents that are concerned, there are so many resources out there now. And, and the you know, Breck Foundation website has some and some links to other places as well. There's more you know, information now than there was. Uh, but even when I used to Google grooming, because I had a cute little doggy who I got groomed, grooming for pets would come up on my phone. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there are a lot of resources, but sometimes we do have to, you know, find the right one that that works for us but um what i did try to do uh and, and it was on police recommendation they said take away his computer when i called so i got off the phone and i did take away brex technology as a consequence of him just it was like a last straw you know being difficult yeah i knew that i just didn't trust who he was gaming with 
And you know what? That just fed right into the predator's hands because it made me the bad guy that he already was trying to make me be. You know, he was acting like I was the controlling one, that I was the monstrous mother. And in fact, at the end, when I'd go into Breck's room, um, pictures of witches and monsters would pop up on the screen instead of the funny things that popped up at the beginning. So he had turned me into the bad guy. Um, after I took away Breck's technology, I had a meeting with the other parents and the boys, and we sat them down and we just said, we're concerned. I call it the intervention. Well, the boys defended him. And he's a good guy. It's the best place to game. We're learning so much. He's our friend. We have fun. And we just, you know, we said, but we don't know who he is. You know, he's, he's, we don't know who he really is. We don't have any real contacts or links with him. He was keeping his identity quite secretive, uh, only, you know, lying about things. And the boys, just because they had been gaming with him for so long, they just didn't believe it. But by the end of the meeting, they agreed reluctantly that they would just go to a different gaming site. So we thought we fixed the problem. Breck said he was going to game with just friends from school. And I never heard that sort of deeper and distinctive voice again. I thought I'd fix the problem. During that time, Breck even had an e-safety assembly, as it was called at school. But they didn't, they didn't get through to the children like, like I do try with, you know, my, my, um, with the charity, the work that we do. Trying to use real life stories, not scaring children, but just giving them real facts, real scenarios, real situations. They learned, oh, there's, you know, there's danger online, so don't give out your name or your address or your phone number. Well, they had already done that for years. They had been giving out details. They had been sharing information. What they didn't learn was grooming, signs of grooming, what to do, how to recognize it, who to report to. Because really, it comes down to friends need to look after each other. Sometimes the person being groomed won't recognize it because it is like brainwashing. And that's why we need everybody else to work as a community because online it is you know the world wide web needs to be a community and friends need to stop help stop uh if they're worried about a friend all of Breck's friends saw these changes just like i did they knew something was wrong but they hadn't been taught what to do so they were all good good and nice guys but they hadn't been taught so they weren't empowered to do the right thing so when I took away Breck's computer also, a little handy thing uh, appeared in the post, a brand new smartphone for Breck. Now he was 14 years old. What 14 year old wouldn't appreciate a brand new smartphone worth 700 pounds? So that just bought into it. Giving the gifts, it means you owe that person a little bit something or you, you, know, you owe them your allegiance. And so that is a way that predators gain power as well. So they had secret communication. And that next month, Breck's friend was found back online with the predator. And those parents kicked him back off and said, no, we had the meeting. We talked about it. You're not allowed to game or socialize with this guy. But what those parents didn't do is pick up the phone and let me know that, that this predator was still in their lives. Because at that point, if I had known he was still there, I could have called the police back again. I could have gone back and tried. But unfortunately, Breck went back to acting fairly normal. Everything seemed like it was supposed to be. He would just, if we asked, if I asked him to go to church, he'd just go. If I asked him to do his chores, he'd just do it. He wasn't talking about the predator anymore. He wasn't uh, debating about government and religion and education. He was just getting on with it. But secretly, he was uh, still communicating with the predator. So unfortunately, um, when he was at his dad's for the weekend, because uh, you know we're divorced, and so he did the other other weekend thing. 
he lied to his dad and uh, went to the predator's flat where he never came home. Uh, mm. I, I think the predator planned all of this to do it. You know, dad didn't ask as many questions because even though he was aware of the situation, he was at the intervention meeting. We both trusted Breck. Breck had never snuck out before. Yeah. He had never lied like this before. It was out of character. And I think it was just an easier time because his dad wasn't as aware of his usual movements. Um, Breck mm. went um, at seven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. I mean, what teenager? Come on, Lawrence. Did you ever get up at seven o'clock <laughs> in the morning on a Sunday way back? I didn't get up at one o'clock on a Sunday Sunday afternoon. Um, But it's interesting when when you say the word, you know, um, a a groomer or a predator, because you do automatically think of, to put it bluntly, a dirty old man is is, is on children online trying, you know, is someone online trying to attract younger people, perhaps lying to them. But but, um, this person, I use the word person loosely, this person um, was... was, um, you know, he was, what, 18, 19 years he old? He was 18, 17 when 18 they met. 18 years old. And, um, you know, he just was, a, you know, a psychopath, an evil psychopath, but the boys didn't know what his real behavior was. You know, all they knew was how he presented himself online. And some mm-hmm. of the older boys actually did get suspicious. The ones that were closer in age to him did get fed up, and they didn't buy into his lines anymore. So they started leaving the group, but that made it more dangerous for the 13, 14, 15 year olds. So I think, um, you know, it was just a development thing. You know, when we think about our development, we don't we're not, we don't fully mature until God knows when, but certainly not at 14, you know, more like 25. And Breck didn't just the links weren't in his sort of mental capacity to recognize that someone might, you know, lie so so immensely about who they really were uh he hadn't seen the evil in the world even though he had divorced parents he still got presents and sometimes two christmases and you know he had two bedrooms you know he just he didn't recognize that some people aren't who they really you know really say they are so i think there's so many lessons to learn within you know all of this predators can be engaged boys can be groomed too um, you know, go with instinct, act and report when something doesn't seem quite right. Um, you know, many times when there's, you know, every single time we see, you know, sort of people who are being radicalized for terrorism, somebody will say, oh, yeah, he posted something weird last week, or, you know, he said something unusual. You know, there there are signs, but sometimes we don't pick up on them. And I think that's what's really important is that we we actually act on, you know, something that doesn't seem quite right mm-hmm. and, and i believe also with, with breck's groom obviously you mentioned he had sort of a fake picture avatar yeah. of, who, of who he was but i'm right in believing as well that he, he he sort of told breck a lot of falsities about himself and what he did and um his job and sort of made promises to breck that yeah. just weren't true well, I mean, that he had any intention of he did portray you know, himself as this you know very rich you know millionaire who had made money young and fast and quick and you know, it's almost like, you know, with, with young people, with any of us, if it seems too good to be true, you know, maybe it is. You know, we, we don't usually make money that fast, that easily, that quickly, or we'd all be doing it, you know. And, and so he was sort of dangling this carrot of success. And, and Breck wanted to be successful. He wanted to achieve. And, and I, I, I think, you know, he didn't recognize that that was, you know, uh, all just, you know, fake. But the other thing is, is the predator 
was teaching him things, you know, that coding and encryption. Breck was loving that. So were the other boys. But also he then said he was sick and wanted to hand over his company to someone. And the only one he trusted was Breck. Well, even then, you know, I think sometimes I think, come on, Breck, how did you believe this? You know, but as clever as Breck was, he still was a kid, you know, and he probably wanted to believe that he was going to, you know, make something of himself at such a young age. And, you know, the predator would even use things like, oh, look at Zuckerberg, you know, look at how successful he is. And, you know, he did that on his own back. He didn't wait around for somebody else. And, you know, he just, he said and did any, this predator said and did anything to just, you know, convince the boys that he was something more than he was. And in reality, he was nothing. He didn't even have a proper job. Uh, I think he was on, you know, uh, I think he just stayed at home grooming boys. He had groomed hundreds of boys over the years through gaming and young ones through Minecraft, older ones through, you know, Call of Duty and and all sorts. So, you know, he spent his full time while he was getting benefit, full time grooming boys online. That was his full time job. And none of it was true. He didn't have family who cared about him, which is really sad. You know, when, you know, you blame yourself, but you, you blame, you know, all sorts of people who didn't help you along the way. But, you know, mm-hmm. you can't help it. You just want to find answers. And it just doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. Why would someone kill Breck or why would someone kill anyone? It's so gross, you know. And I think, you know, he just obviously this is a sick individual, but there were signs um, that people didn't pick up. He had sent, to some of the gamers further afield, not to Breck's group, but other gamers, he had sent photos of Syrian beheadings. Now, he was interested in this. You know, most of us would be sickened by it. And in the end, that's what he wanted to do. And what he did do is a copycat style Syrian beheading on Breck. If those first gamers had reported to someone, you know, we're gaming with this guy. Why is he sending us beheadings? It's not appropriate. And he could have been blocked or banned or reported could have added to his police file just to build a better picture. And really it is like putting the pieces of the puzzle together. So even if a parent or a child or a teacher thinks, well, I don't know if it's anything, it doesn't matter if it's anything. That's not for us as individuals to decide. We need to give all those pieces of the puzzle to the authorities so that they can decide if this individual is is a concern or not. And so there was much more that could have been reported on this particular predator but people either didn't know or couldn't be bothered. And I think in this case with children and child protection, we have to go out of our way. We have to be bothered. We have to make sure that we're reporting because, you know, especially on some of the apps, you know, on social media that are so fun, like TikTok, you know, predators are constantly building relationships through all of these platforms. There's not one in particular, you know, and we're not against platforms. We're not against gaming or socializing, but what we want is proactive education from a young age so that young people recognize when someone's asking them to do something inappropriate or when someone's asking them to change you know, their behaviors or change who they confide in. Predators will always try to pull you away from your support system. And you know why? That our support system is meant to be there for, for life and we shouldn't have some stranger online try to pull that away from us. Yeah. Uh, and, and this predator uh, that that Breck encountered, he, am I right in thinking Breck was the the first? You know, I know you said he had a sort of history of of abusing um, younger 
younger people. Um, was was but Barak was the first person he actually murdered. Um, is yeah, that, as is far as we know, unless he's got some. As far as we know, okay. So, but, it um, just makes... so in, in the records, you... he had uh, he had groomed a boy in the states when he was only eleven years old. He was predatory from a very young age. That was just ingrained in his personality. He he had he hadn't been looked after properly. He had uh, kind of been thrown away by his parents. Um, and in a way, I think that's why he hated me so much as a parent because I was opposite to his mom. I was kind of what considered could be considered a helicopter mom i was i I let breck have his independence obviously but i was in his life well this predator didn't have that he was given away he was he went into care supposedly his care was actually sort of the best times of his life being looked after by caregivers um but even in the investigation his his like family said you know when they asked about his sexuality they just went we don't know you know he just kind of lived here sometimes so nobody was really supporting him or looking after him which is no excuse for him but it's kind of we shouldn't bring children into the world if we don't really want them because it's mm-hmm. too much work having a child and then just to you know let them just run free and not teach them values or not you know even safeguard them so uh so he was known in the records for grooming from a young age 11 and he also had sexually assaulted or raped a 15 year old boy when he was only 15 and he got away with it because uh, he was a good talker. He could talk himself out of a paper bag. He thought until until you know the evidence with Breck. It was just it was too there was too much evidence, and he tried to say it was some horrible accident. He also had in the record that he had hacked into his school computer to intimidate the victim that he had previously assaulted, and he had in the records uh, known to police numerous numerous uh, images indecent images of young boys that was his particular interest some predators don't care boys or girls he particularly liked younger boys mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm right thinking you say you know that he was he was a talker and i'm right in thinking with the incident with breck it was actually him that rang the police about the incident that had happened yeah i mean in our in our um our short film Breck's Last Game, which is available on our website or, or YouTube. It's just a five minute video that we made in collaboration with four police forces for teenagers to try to get them just to think about what what grooming looks like. Um, the beginning of the video has part of the phone call that the predator made to police. So he basically, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know we don't know exactly what happened but after he killed Breck maybe an hour or two he called the police and and tried to say that it was an accident so I mean in some ways I guess um at least we didn't Breck didn't go missing we knew where he was but um I just I'm so sad that forever sad that I wasn't able to, to intervene I tried you know and if only I had known you know that what what more about grooming you know i think i i could have i could have helped him um but poor breck was just taken in you know and he would have outgrown you know he would have figured it out he just was at an impressionable age and you dangle carrots that are quite interesting to someone and that's the thing is a predator will find that shared interest they'll build a, a relationship a friendship through their shared interest so on you know on tiktok it be through dancing music fashion you know, you look at the amount of girls that are actually coming uh, out with you know eating disorders because they're just emulating and modeling people that they're seeing on platforms who are starving themselves. You know, that's a form of grooming, trying to get other people to harm themselves. 
uh, it's not healthy to, to fast and limit yourself that much. But these girls are, and some boys are watching these, you know, videos thinking that they should be copying. It's, it's all about who I guess are, is mentoring our children. And we all like to look up to people in our lives. And we just want to make sure that our children are being mentored by people who have, you know, proper, healthy values. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, online, there are people there that, that don't care about others. And we need to just make sure that our children don't fall prey, you know, to, to that sort of abuse. Mm -hmm. And I, I suppose, like you, you say, you know, you probably, I imagine every day you're going back and forth thinking, what if, if only I knew this, I could have done that. I could have helped this, but, totally. but, there, but there's, but there's no, there's no way. No one could have told that that guy was a monster that, that did this to Brett. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, you know, I mean, I, like it I was said, the most horrific thing. I thought maybe he wanted something sexually from Brett. The last thing in my mind mm. ever was that he wanted to kill somebody. I mean, I just, I just couldn't even fathom that. Uh, not that I understand wanting to have sex with a child either, but I couldn't fathom him wanting to kill someone. So I, I do have a lot of what ifs, you know, what if I had stayed in the States, you know, I've lived here over 20 years and I love it, you know, um, it's my home and, and, uh, but uh, is what if, what if I hadn't moved to that neighborhood? What if I hadn't switched Breck school? What if I hadn't, you know, gone away that weekend? And there's a million what ifs. Uh, what I should have done, if I could turn back time, is call the police every day until they are sick and tired of me and say, listen, lady, he has no record. He's squeaky clean. Leave us alone. Because I called the police and I waited for the result. Um, and when I didn't have any new evidence to, to call in about, I thought uh, with Breck being back to normal that the problem was fixed, but we just went underground. So a huge hint for parents, if you forbid, keep in mind, it's going to become more secretive because any teenager, myself included, is going to you know <laughs> try to do something. If we're that passionate about it, we're going to try to do it some behind our parents' backs. And I just, I don't know why I didn't see that in Breck. I didn't think that he would go behind, you know, his parents' backs, but he was being brainwashed. So I think instinctively act on our instincts, but also um, seek out more help and, and pursue. Sometimes, you know, police have been amazing. We, we do a lot of work with them, but they are inundated. They are busy. They're under-resourced and, you know, they deserve more funding and better benefits. And it's a hard job. But if they are not, you know, reacting to reports, we need to keep pushing them until they, they, you know, can can help us. And I wish I had pushed yeah. every day. Yeah, and that's and that's amazing that you can still say that about the police because I guess if anyone could feel let down by the police, it, it's you. But you, but you're you here, you're here singing their praises and the amazing work that the police met, do do, and and, and they do. People, I really have who are caring, who are in the prof you know the profession for all the reasons we want them to be, and I think. The two people that dealt with my case, I don't know what the heck their problem was. And, and they both left the force because they would have been fired on misconduct charges. And again, you know, blame game. You know, if, what if somebody else had answered the phone? What if that day somebody had answered the phone who actually cared about children, who had children, who wanted children to be safe? But unfortunately, that day when I called, I didn't get those sorts of people. So I think it does come down to education again, because some of those Police jobs are quite hard, and we need to remember that each phone call that comes in could be a life or death situation, even if it's not at that you know given moment. Um, mm -hmm. But and together we need to work together. There's no there's no answer on how to sort of fix this problem of keeping children safer online. It's it's you know everybody needs to to 
pulled together because um, it is such a difficult issue with children, you know, enjoying their online lives. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what does it do to do to you? I mean, just the whole trying, you know, trying your best to to have some kind of normality mm-hmm. and, and and move on I mean you know because you've got other children as well you've got you have other children yeah. that, you, that you're busy with and you know and you, you talk about you used to go to church and you sort of I, I don't know where your faith and everything is at the moment but I mean how was I mean how do you get over um, not get over it I mean that's that's an awful term sorry but like how do you how do you move on from how do you continue well I guess it know, is tricky because happened? you really can't keep living in that that level of grief. I mean, you know, when I got the news, I couldn't stop screaming. I had to be sedated. Then I couldn't eat. Talk about, you know, having an eating disorder. I I couldn't eat because Brett couldn't eat, you know, and he was never going to be able to eat again. And I needed to for my triplets. They were only, I think, 12 at the time. And wow, poor things, you know, they, what they had to go through, what they had to see, because I couldn't parent. I couldn't get out of bed for a year, you know, other than court cases or police meetings. And, and I, I felt like a widow, strangely enough. I felt like I just, and because you, you, you just you can't fix it. And all I kept saying mm. is a mantra. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. I did have trauma therapy and um, amazing, uh, amazing help, actually, EMDR, for anybody who's had um, PTSD. And it did help. And then now I jokingly call my trauma therapist my job coach because I do still like to speak to her occasionally just just to have some conversations and she's been so supportive. But also the community were supportive, you know, family and friends. But at the end of the day, you're kind of all alone. Even there's there are other parents who've lost their children and I have we, we do reach out to each other. But it's so hard because you're just so damaged that in some ways I found it easier to to just try to make new friends who don't know what I used to be like and they just then have to accept what I am now but the triplets helped me get better um they're off to uni now and that was crazy you know thinking of them going off in their three separate ways Mm -hmm. but they were ready and and they're all good kind and supportive and and I'm scared I check my app all the time because I do have them on (laughs) a tracking app um, but you know that's not foolproof. If Brecket had the tracking tracking app, he would have just circumvented it because he was so techy. But um, I think I moved away at one point. I ran away to the seaside, and the house was healing and lovely and and calming. And then I realized it just made me travel more for work, so I needed to sort of come more more center. But I don't know. Every day it's hard. I kind of cry every day for a little bit. People don't really see me cry I kind of do it whenever I hear a song that reminds me of Brett because we had a shared interest in music or memory or I don't know but in general I'm better but I don't think I'll ever be right but we'll see I try what are, yeah so what what are the memories of Brett that you hold I mean how would you how do you remember Brett like that brings you you know obviously you know, it was a horrific thing, an evil thing, what happened happened to Breck. But what are the things that, you know, you'd like people to remember about Breck? I think um, that he was just a chilled, easy to be with kind of guy. And, um, you know, when we'd go camping, it was my favorite time because he would be unplugged because he did like to be connected to his computer. <laughs> so when we'd yeah. camp, he'd be unplugged and he'd light the fire he'd do all the boy stuff for me because I was a single mom you know he'd do the 
building the you know tent and the fire and the guy stuff and and we just hmm. had so much fun and after a few days I get a bit twitchy because he wanted to uh, get plugged back in but I think just eating with even eating meals with him because he just is at an age where he just ate so heartily and he was so appreciative he was appreciative when I just make you know home cooked meals he you know he'd say thanks mom and, and he was almost simple that way he he didn't need designer kit. He didn't need, he didn't need stuff other than his computer stuff. I mean, he was Mr. Techie and he saved up all of his birthday and Christmas money for that. But other than that, he was pretty easy. When we redecorated his room, it was like, if we looked at two rugs, he'd say, oh, this one's cheaper, mom. It's fine. You know, he was, he wasn't <laughs> greedy. The only time he was greedy is when I'd buy four croissants for the four children and he'd gobble down <laughs> two or three because he loved his bread. I used to call him brekkie bread, but I don't know, you know, he just, he was the easiest kid to parent. You just would never think that it could go so wrong. And um, I guess that's why I do the work that I do. I don't want that to happen to any other child. But, you know, along those lines, my work is harder than it ever was. Because mm -hmm. I just have to relive and re-talk about the worst bits of Breck. So it's nice that you, you know, ask me about the, the good bits of Breck. Because those are the ones that I actually do want to remember. Looking at pictures is almost too painful as he was just my, I tried for four years to have him, you know, it took a long time and he was the one that made me, a, you know, a mom. So it, he was the joy of my life and, um, and I'm lucky to have the triplets because they are amazing. Um, but our family is missing a piece. That's for sure. Mm. I mean, how do the, the triplets remember Breck were they old enough to still have really fond memories of Breck yeah I mean one triplet was his favorite so I think she almost misses <laughs> him more because he was the one that was like you know kind of looking after her um they it's different for them children are resilient you know I think when they get the right support and the right love I do think that you know it's hard for them to have to have lost a brother without a doubt but they also had to live with, you know, a crazy-ish mother. You know, I, I couldn't drive for 18 months because of my PTSD. So they had to get lifts from, you know, neighbors. And they had, you know, I, I my partner at uh, the time, part of the time, they, you know, it was always somebody else that was looking after them. They knew where to find me. I'd be in bed. But, you know, I was a pretty lame mom. I mean, we still had fun. I'm sure we did. But I couldn't go into their school without just having a complete meltdown because I, it just reminded me of Breck going into school, the parents' meetings. And mm -hmm. so in a way, they've lost out because, because of, you know, how it affected me. But, you know, they'll be stronger. You know, they'll be able to cope with things and they'll be able to be supportive to others. But, um, you know, I think that's the thing is the wider picture. You know, this predator took away one life, but damaged so many other people. And also cost, cost the taxpayer a heck of a lot of money. I was told the case would have cost maybe over 2 million pounds. So if we had spent just some of that money up front in police training, in school training, in you know systems with social services to, to prevent, you know, this could have been prevented. This guy mm -hmm. should have had a watch on him. Um, you know, we would have saved a life and we would have saved a lot of money. So I, I do, I believe in, in education from a very young age and proper and good training with anybody who has access to children with any safeguarding role. 
Um, and then one of the reasons I left religion is because there was a, a vicar who who could have saved Breck's life, but he turned a blind eye because he didn't want to be involved in someone else's problem. And that didn't help. And then I realized my whole life, you know, my whole life I had gone to church and tried to be a good person and I felt betrayed. So, you know, if there is a God, I hope he forgives me, but I I felt too betrayed to 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 continue with that. And I know a lot of people find strength, you know, in religion when they're when the hard times. Believe me, my dad died tragically when I was 20 uh on a motorcycle accident and religion did get me through that. It it did. Because in my little 20 head year year old heads idea was that dad's in heaven god needed dad to be a mechanic in heaven because he was that best mechanic and dad could fix anything he fixed everything but when i was old i couldn't come up with a scenario why god needed breck in heaven i i guess i could have said yeah he needed a tech you know a tech guru but i i couldn't do it because i was mad that he gave up his own son i thought well, why the hell why the hell would anyone do that you know find a different way to save the world and i just i couldn't i couldn't do it anymore so who knows? I might change again, but it's it's too painful. I feel bit. I feel betrayed. No, that's that's completely understandable. That what you've been through. I mean, you talk about as well this abuser that's affected so many lives. Um, has obviously, as the police looked into this, they realised it wasn't an accident like he tried to claim. Um, when you were going through the, I know it's been a few years now, so maybe not necessarily the trial itself, but years later after this has happened, has there been any kind of remorse or anything from this person yeah interesting question no remorse which i know i hope he continues to have no remorse for when you know he gets a parole board looking at his because he should not be out he didn't value life when he was young he's not gonna value life after spending you know 25 years in, in prison so he blamed me he said i was a horrible mother i was abusive to brett you know, he tried to say that he, he could supply things that I couldn't. Well, no, I couldn't supply Breck with everything. But you know what? Kids don't need every single device and every single game and every single designer kit. They need love and they need care. And, that, and that's what this predator didn't get. But he was trying to act like I was a bad mother because I wasn't supplying all these sort of material things. And because I had rules. Well, we all need rules, you know. And a lot of these things are rites of passage. You know, we, we have to wait till a certain age when we get, uh, you know, to drink, when we can vote, when we can drive, when we can, you know, do all sorts of things. And if we're giving our children devices and full access to anything on the Internet from a young age, they're not going to learn you know, how they get things because they've earned them, because they've learned how to use them. And we wouldn't allow our children to go off, you know, into a park playing with strangers, yet we give them devices that they can access strangers, you know, full time. And we're not saying all strangers are bad, you know, but what we say is, is everyone online is a stranger. And that means we don't know enough about them to make a, a, a safe opinion. And so, uh, you know, back to your original question, you know, he hasn't shown remorse. He tried to blame me and I don't think he cares. It's, it's somehow he was not made well in some, some genetic thing. And he doesn't value life. He he pretended to care about Breck and he took his life. I, I, I fully, even before this, I fully believed a life for a life. You know, if, if you can't be safe for public consumption, then you need to be locked away. Throw away the key. And 
you know, I know that's harsh for people who work in rehabilitation. Yes, if someone accidentally did it, fine. This was no accident. He had planned two weeks in advance. He had brought, bought from Amazon uh, gaffer tape and condoms, you know, and he knew he was going to tie Breck up and sexually assault him. Why, though, if you're sexually assaulted, you need a condom? I don't know, but, you know, that, that maybe he was afraid Breck, even though Breck had never had sex, maybe he was afraid Breck would have something to give it. I don't know. But he planned it. There were a lot of signs, uh, you know, in the evidence that he had planned all of this and and was had this unnatural in, interest in Syrian-style beheadings. He had lied to the boys, pretending he was a, a freedom fighter and, you know, going to the Middle East to help out in the, in the war. And he, I don't think he's sane, you know, I really don't, because there's no way a sane person would try to kill somebody, you know, he just wouldn't, unless mm -hmm. it was self-defense and, you know, you have no choice but to try to defend yourself. He said that they were, he was defending himself, but the, there was no, there was no evidence that showed that Breck had done anything untowards. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that because... It's interesting you say that because it's just with someone like that, you just, you just, you know, you, you don't feel sorry for them, but you just think there's something that's just not wired right mm. for someone to be able to do that. And, um, but, you know, 20, you know, prison's one thing, but you've got to think that there has got to be some kind, you can't just let this guy out after 25 years in prison to have no. complete freedom again. Mm. Like, this is someone that clearly, um, I mean, I, I, you'd like to think in prison they're trying to do some sort of rehabilitation and everything as well. But the fact that they're, they're I was interested to ask that question if there had been any remorse because it just made me, I like to think that, you know, the, the police system do handle these things and and try and um, rehabilitate people that have done such horrific things. But then again, it makes you think with someone like that that can do that in the first place, mm -hmm. that something just isn't wired something right. Not right. Well, you know, there's, there's another little bit to the story is I have felt sorry for the predator as a little boy. When I think about what his childhood must have been. So when he was 11, his mom, supposedly, this is what police told me, his mom ran away to Egypt with a younger man, left her son. She didn't bring her son with their new relationship. She left him. So there, abandoned. Well, if she was able to abandon him at 11 years old, she obviously wasn't that connected to him all through his, you know, formative years. So um, the dad then said, I don't want him. He's difficult. He has Asperger's. So then the dad didn't want him. He went into care. Well, how is, I mean, how does that affect a person? That's got to be a really horrible feeling. So one of the lies that he always told was that he was, as I mentioned, a freedom fighter, but in Egypt, specifically a freedom fighter in Egypt. So to me, that little, little boy inside of him who was abandoned and hurt was trying to be something big where his mom left for. It was like he was creating this alternative story because he wasn't good enough. Mm. And so he tried to make him big himself up. And it was all connected to where his mom went. And that's the part that I think that really bothers me. And when I think of who I blame the most, and if I, if I could just, you know, do something evil, which I wouldn't, but, you know, if I could, I'd I, I put against her. She should, she should have to answer why she abandoned her child and left him and allowed him to become a monster. You know, that's just a weird little thing. But I just think I tried so hard to be a good mom and lost my son. And I'm not a perfect parent. I mean, I've got issues still that I'm dealing with, with the triplets and the backlash of, you know, what we went through. Um, and 
I, I, no one's perfect, but I at least try. I guess that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And she didn't try. So when I, you know, when I think of who I'm most, most angry with sometimes, sometimes it's her. Because if she had done her job, then maybe he wouldn't have become the monster that he was. I don't know. Maybe he would have anyway, but she didn't try. And, and, and going back to the Breck Foundation, um, talk to us a little bit of what you do now, because I mean, it's, it's amazing that you've, you know, you, you found the strength to start this foundation. I know you're very active in in going out there, maybe not so much now because of the whole yeah. lockdown of this weird year. But uh, I suppose you're probably missing that, aren't you? Going out there and just doing your thing. Or I... you enjoyed the break? Because I know it was, I know when I last saw you, it was getting a bit too much. You're like, I just need a break. <laughs> too much. I really was. Yeah. And, and I, in fact, it was speaking of parenting. I was away a lot while my children were doing their GCSEs and their exams. And that's actually not, it wasn't right. I felt like I was abandoning my own kids to look after others. So, um, but I am passionate about my work, but it is also exhausting. It's hard to talk about, as I said, the worst thing that ever happened to you every day. I do like engaging with children, especially when we can have a laugh together, because the way I try to present is, is in an entertaining way, not a lecturing way, because Breck had lectures and it didn't work. You know, we need to get to children through fun ways, just, you know, like through reading mm-hmm. and art and all the stuff that you believe in and are involved in, you know, reach children yeah. through ways that they can relate to. Um, so now uh, we have had to deliver via Zoom this year, which is a good development because we don't have to, you know, uh, physically travel everywhere, but I find it harder to engage with people, especially children. When of course, yeah. you, know, you can no engage idea. with a handful of people, but not a you know a, a whole classroom is tricky. So, what the good developments are is we have other speakers, and w- one of our speakers especially has been so proactive in you know just moving the foundation forward. And we have a chair of trustees who was a an original volunteer. She's been with us this whole time and she actually works for free. I mean, I feel so bad. She she doesn't take a salary at all and she puts in tons of hours. You know, that is that's commitment. And we've got some really committed people, but also we have a trustee who's just made Sen resources. So the Sen uh, for special needs, you know, we teach that every child is vulnerable, especially, you know, in, in online with predators because they fall prey to to the lies. But you think of children with vulnerabilities, that's the added um, issues. So we now have resources that are that were created and are being published right now that will be available, I think, in the new year. It's delayed because of everything else. Um, but it's going to be books, uh, play, and music even that teachers can use with SEND pupils to talk about the issues in grooming, but in a way that doesn't feel like a lecture because they just turned out, they just shut down when they think it's just more rules in their lives. So that is a huge development. So anybody who um, wants to help us get those resources into schools, make sure you follow us on Facebook or um, you know come onto our website and, and help us out. But um, the other thing is, is we have funding for schools. So we have a fundraiser who raises funds. And a lot of schools are getting um, presentations via Zoom right now f- for free, which I think is great because we, we had to charge at the beginning you know, just to be able to set the charity up. And we will continue to have to charge because it has to run as a business. But there are pockets uh, of areas where we get funding. So we want it to be available for everyone, put it that way. You know, we, we don't want anyone to miss out on, on being educated. That's amazing. And, and, and I'm sure people that are perhaps worried about um, their children online and perhaps who they're communicating with, because you get games, there's games like Fortnite. They're absolutely massive with children right now. I and they, it is so 
Yeah, but it is, it is so amazing. I remember you telling me that before, actually. Mm. Uh, I, I remember, uh, they, it, but kids can interact with anyone in the world that's playing. And it, it's not, you know, it's not, um, I'm sure there are security things you can do, but it, it is easy to get around these things if you're looking to. Because um, it's hard to, to monitor and hard to manage, I, I imagine. But um, if there is any parents out there that are concerned, are they able to contact the Brett Foundation or, or yourself and just ask for advice and what they can do? Yeah, I mean, I think first steps are just reading up on on the issues and reading up on um on the apps that your children actually use sit them down and and hang out with them while they're on their devices and see what they use and how they use it there are so many parents even now as big as tiktok is some parents are still unaware of what it is and how it works um i did a panorama show the other day and that was a parent on there she didn't know i've met parents that are like what's tiktok it's huge Mm -hmm. in their world and yet, you know, and there are there are pockets of issues that that will happen on any platform. So I think the first thing is, is is make sure you're really aware of the issues. Make sure you're really aware of what your children are using and what they're doing online, and being there for them in a really sort of um, helpful, casual way, not a lecturing, mad way. You know, we have to try to stay as calm with them about it. Otherwise, they'll hide things from us. And uh, so there is information on our website and signposts of other places to go. Uh, I have to say we have had more contacts from parents in this year during lockdown than any other time. And that's because parents are more worried because predators have it easier because children are spending more time online. We don't at this point offer sort of a counseling service, but we do try to offer advice. Um, One of the places to go is SEOP. Uh, if you have specific concerns, because they can check police records. Um, but I think the most important thing is to act on instinct and and to pursue answers, you know, um, and and uh, and keep at it. We have a couple of moms right now that their sons are being groomed, and it's heartbreaking because their sons are still alive, but that could change at any given moment because they're just in the middle of it, and there will be children all over the world that are going through that now Breck's story is an extreme one and we recognize that but we don't want children to be self you know to harm to be harmed in any ways from from children being taught how to self-harm from children being taught how to have an eating disorder I mean literally yes in the olden days before the internet I had friends who had eating disorders too we we would look at the magazines we'd compare ourselves you'd hear that growing up makes you stay skinny you'd hear taking pills helps you stay skinny we did it we didn't have the internet but the problem with it now is that the internet makes all of that misinformation so much more easily obtainable. And, you know, you start following, um, you know, certain certain people, the algori- algorithms will keep sending your children the content that they, that they look at. So, you know, they look at it a couple of times and all of a sudden they're going to be sent, whether it's violent content, sexual content, uh, healthy lifestyle that may be completely unhealthy that those algorithms will continue to send those i mean we're even hearing how you know if a grown man starts looking at teenagers the algorithms will continue to send him teenage girls videos you know so it's it's not the child's fault what they're being sent it is how these platforms are set up so i think being aware of all of that and 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 making sure that we're helping our children build their their value set and not you know strangers online i think that's a really key point yeah 
well lauren it's amazing what you're doing with the brett foundation after everything you've been through um amazing work i admire your strength um admire everything that you're doing right now and um thank you so much for coming on and uh yeah i just urge any any parents that are concerned to to reach out to the brett foundation or anything you can do to help them they're an amazing organization and um yeah just keep doing your thing lauren thank you so much for coming on thanks for talking to me today i mean there is so much everyone could do collectively and um you know every little bit makes a difference so well lauren on that note have a fantastic rest of the year if we can with 20 but um yeah i hope to see you soon be nice to see you yeah thanks lawrence A really powerful um, chat there with Lauren Lefebvre. Um This episode is one of these things that is a really difficult story to talk about, but it's so important. It's, it's a story that we all need to learn from um, because God forbid that anything like this happens to a, a child um, again. You know, I don't want to say too much more. Um, it's been a long episode. Um, an emotional one. I want to thank Lauren Lefay for coming on. Strength comes in in many shapes and sizes, but something like that to me is strength like no other. It's a it's a strength that's out of this world to be able to do what Lauren does. Um, to go through something like this and then have the the superhuman strength to go out there and to tell her story over and over again on the news on the radios on podcasts like this to schools over and over again to do that and be traveling on the road to do that while she's got three other children while she's grieving the death of her son well you know this isn't a case that happened a decade ago this is a story that is very raw and very recent for Lauren to do that so quickly and so brave because it's something that she feels so passionate about is just uh, incredible, incredible. You know, I would usually think about ending a podcast, letting, letting you guys know where you can find me and about my books and social media and things like that. But I think with this episode, it's um, only right for me to ask you all to please look up the Breck Foundation uh, on the Facebook, online, look up Lauren on Twitter, Lauren Lefave. And uh, if any of you have any concerns about your children, please get in touch with the relevant people. Or if you want ask, if you want to to ask any advice uh, about um, your child's online activities, um, the Brett Foundation are there for you to message. They will get back to you on Facebook. I know Lauren's very passionate about communicating with parents so um yeah please subscribe to the brett foundation please follow them and um like lauren said in that interview you know we don't want brett to be remembered for this awful thing that happened to him i wanted lauren to talk about who brett was as well you know and, and the brett that she mentions about going camping with likes his bread intelligent playing his games what he'd be doing now that's um, the prec I want us to leave on. Please uh, reach out if there's anything that you're worried about.
this should never happen again. Please follow the Brick Foundation.